You know, um, when you have a iPad that asks you questions, <laughs> can mess with you a little bit. Um, when you have a week or so that your brain is kind of half functioning and half not as you recover from jet lag, you don't really realize just how kind of out of whack you are until you start feeling normal again. And I'm still waiting for the normal, but at least I'm back to myself. And so that's a good feeling, um, I can promise you. Um, and I'm glad to be here with you today and to get back to where we've been heading for the last um, several weeks, and that was going back into the book of First John. The book of First John is such a special book, and I told our Sunday school class this morning if you're using the same books that we're using, and I know at least one other class is, a couple of um, weeks back we were studying in First and Second Timothy. And we know that First and Second Timothy were written by Paul to Timothy at Ephesus. Now in our Sunday school books, we're in the book of Ephesians, which was written, Brother Gene, I think to the church at Ephesus, Brother Gene. I think that's probably why they gave it that name. And now we're back in 1 John, and John was there in Ephesus when he wrote this letter. And so the city of Ephesus seems to be playing a very important role in what God is trying to get us to understand right now. And I don't understand yet all of that's going to involve, but we're going to find out. And so um, hopefully God will bless us greatly. Miss Pat, you're going to have to run the slides today, it looks like, unless Taylor can make this thing work while I'm going. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to be talking about, as you might have guessed on the screen, how you can know. Now, I want to, I want to really emphasize this to our young people. And so if you're a, if you're a teenager, if you're an elementary school student, um, if you're someone who's new to the faith in general, I want to emphasize this to you. It is possible, it is possible to know that you are in right relationship with God. It's something that is possible. In some religions, you're continually trying to work it out and hopefully you can get there. But Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not based on what man can do. All religions are based on this idea of if I knew, can do enough, if I can be enough then somehow God will be pleased enough, and then I'll be okay. And that's what religion is. But Christianity is not a religion because it's not about what we can do, it's about what he did. Rather than man working to try and please God, God left the glories of heaven and came to earth so that he could reach man. It's the exact opposite. And so if you are sitting there and you're kind of thinking, well, you know, I, I feel like maybe I'm okay, but I don't really know that I'm okay. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not really sure if I'm okay or not. I would like to know, but I don't know. Then this morning, I will hope that as you, as you listen and as we go through God's word this morning, he speaks to your heart and you find that you can know, you can know that you have a relationship with him. Now, before we dive directly into the Scripture, there's a couple of things I want to talk about because it's very easy to take this passage of Scripture and try and make it say something that it doesn't really say. 
So I want to make sure we make some things clear right off the bat. Number one, salvation is by grace and through faith alone. Okay? Salvation is not something that you can earn. It's not something that you deserve. It's not something that God looks at you and says, you know what, Aaron Kiros, he is an amazing kid, and because he's so amazing, he gets to go to heaven. No, that's not how it works. When God looks at us and he decides that that he loves us, it's not based on what we've done. It's based on who he is. And so God's grace is made available to all of us, and it's accessed through faith. In other words, you have to do something. You're not doing anything to earn it, but in doing something, you're receiving it. It's, it's accepting that gift that God's given. And so salvation is by grace alone, it is through faith alone, and there is no way to find it and no place to get it except through Jesus Christ. And so our evidence of our salvation... The evidence of our salvation serves two purposes. Number one, it provides an assurance to our hearts. And if you're filling out your blanks and you're listening, God, these are on there. The capital, all capital letters will help you be able to find them. It provides assurance to our hearts in times of difficulty and repentance. You know, there are times in our lives where we don't really feel like we're right with God. And our feelings can mess us up. And many times in my life, when I don't feel like I'm right with God, Luke, it's because I'm doing something in my life that's pushing me away from God or pushing God away from me. But when we have an assurance of our salvation and when we go through God's word, we can have that assurance. In those times of difficulty, it brings us to a place of repentance. And I want to tell you, repentance, repentance is a good thing. It's going back to that which you need. It's returning to that which you love. Repentance is turning away from that which is destructive and turning to that which is building and life-giving and hope. And so the, the goal of this, this message is to help us to understand not only that it provides evidence to our hearts in times of difficulty and repentance, but secondly, it provides evidence for others to see the impact of salvation in our lives. God did not save us simply so we can go to heaven. Now, contrary to what some people might tell you, God was not sitting in heaven one day saying, man, I sure wish I had somebody to hang out with. And so I'm going to make me a Paul Almaguer. Because you know what? I, I just need me a Paul in my life. You know, I love you, Brother Paul, but God was perfectly complete without you. And without me. He doesn't need any of us. So the fact that he came and he died on the cross to offer salvation to all of us is not so that we can make him fulfilled and we can make him complete, but because we could never be complete without him. And with him in our lives, he changes us. He makes us into something that's different than what we would have been without him. And he leaves us here on earth so that we can show others the power of the gospel to transform our lives. And so our assurance of our salvation provides evidence to others that God is real and that it's not some accident. And so young people, listen to me. If you're looking for evidence that God is real, look to the lives of people who have been changed because of him. 
Listen, some of us are old, okay? In your mind, some of us are really old. Like, really Like, we lived, we grew up without Google. And we still passed in school. And so listen, if you want to know, it's not just that we're trying to convince you to do something so that we don't have to fight you to do what's right. It's because we know that God makes a difference in our lives. It provides evidence for others to see. And so there are two things in this passage that provide that evidence of the presence of salvation and the evidence of salvation in our lives that then we can use to, to direct other people to follow Christ. So 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Would you stand as we read God's Word together? By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Well, John's so gentle there, isn't he? But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in you and in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, yet hates his brother, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that we can know that our relationship with you is secure. And so, Father, as we look at these passages, we understand that they're not there to teach us how to have a relationship with you, but to show us what relationship with you will look like when we have it. Assure the hearts of those who need assurance. Convict the hearts of those who need conviction. And draw us all to you as you would have us to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I was a little kid, I was the last of nine. The next sibling older than me was five years older than me. The next brother that was older than me um, that, I, that lived in our home was ten years older than me because we were one of those his, mine, and our families. And so some of them lived with their mother and some of them lived with my mom and my dad. And so the the next brother that was older than me was 10 years older than me. And so I grew up without, like, you know, a real close friend in the house. Um, Because, first of all, no boy wants to be friends with his sister who's five years older. Can we just be honest? Um, And so there was that break there. And so I didn't really feel like I had anybody in my home that I could kind of go to and ask questions and, and kind of become my 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 big brother that I could lean on and those kind of things. And so my dad kind of filled that role for me. And so I remember as a little kid, wherever my dad went, I wanted to go. And whether that was to the corner store to buy 
gas for the lawnmower or whether that was out into his shop to work on something that he was working on. I always wanted to go where he went. And I even remember he would come home from work and he'd been out in the plants and the chemical plants, the refineries, the nuclear plants, wherever he was working at the time. He would be dirty and stinky. And he would sit down in the chair and I would take off his boots for him. I'd pull off his boots and then I'd take off his socks. And he wore those support hose. Men, if you haven't discovered support hose, praise God that you haven't. Um, they take about 15 minutes to get on and about 25 to get off. And I would grab those things and I would start pulling. And I was a little bit, I was skinny like Stephen. Y'all won't believe that. But um, Now my, my stomach's bigger around than, my arms are bigger around than his legs. And so I would grab those things and I would start pulling and I would start pulling. And then at some point they would let loose. You know what I mean? And down on the floor, I'd go. And I'd get up, and I'd go get the other one. And then I would put my feet in my daddy's sweaty, stinky boots. And I would walk to his room and put his boots up. Because I wanted, and, and <laughs> sometimes they were up to here. Because I was a little guy. I wanted to walk where my daddy went. I wanted to follow my dad's footsteps. Perhaps you've seen it on Facebook or somewhere else. The idea of someone telling his son, to, dad telling his son, be careful where you walk. And he tells his dad, no, dad, you be careful where you walk because I'm just going to step in your footprints. And that was my reality. I wanted to do and follow what my earthly father had done. I wanted to walk with him. And, and he must have had that impact on all of us because all of my brothers followed him into the same career eventually. And if I didn't like, dislike heights so much, I might have done the same thing. And I wanted to walk where my daddy walked. I wanted to be who he was. And he's always been my hero. He's always been the one I've looked up to. And if somehow he happens to see this video, hi, Dad. <laughs> um, I loved following my daddy. And the reason why I loved following my daddy is because I was his son. I had an identity in him. I knew that my daddy loved me. Anything that happened in my life, my daddy was always going to be my daddy. And I could get in trouble and my mom could spank me. But all my daddy had to do was just look at me. And it wasn't so much because I was afraid of him. But I sure didn't want to disappoint him. When you watch me and my daddy, you knew that I was his son. And John here tells us some very important things to understand in verses 3 through 6. That when you look at the life of a believer, someone who really is a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about someone who goes to church. Listen, a lot of you kids are brought to church because your parents say you had to come to church and that's the reason you're here. Some of you really want to be here. But if you look at the world around us, we see almost every child, when they turn 18, they disappear out of the church. It's true. That's just reality, guys. If you're really his son... You're going to want to follow after him. You're going to want to do those things, which he does. John says to the, to the church here, anyone who would read it, 
By this we have come, know that we've come to know Him if we keep His commandments. If we do what He says to do. In my opinion, one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. I think it's on the screen, Miss Pat. Does it come up? Go to the next one. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I think it's one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. We know that the background of that is they've eaten of the tree. They've been told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now they realize they're naked and they're hiding themselves from the presence of God. Interestingly, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. How did they know it was him? Because they had heard him before. They knew what to listen for. And they heard his voice, but because of what was going on in their life, they went and hid under their bed because daddy got home. How sad it is to think that someone who calls himself a child of God would live their lives in such a way that when we hear the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, our reaction wouldn't be to embrace him, but to run from him. See, that's what he's saying here. We know we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. They had not realized who God was yet. They had every advantage in the world that he could have given them, and they didn't understand. And they failed to obey him. Often when people think of God's commandments, they focus on what activities they prohibit rather than what they enable. When God told them not to eat of that fruit, it's because he knew that the moment that they did, it, that they did eat of it, that the fellowship with him would be broken. And something much more wonderful, something much more desirable, something much more incredible than the bite of whatever that piece of fruit was, they gave up. They exchanged the presence of Almighty God for the momentary pleasure of disobedience. And if you can live your life desiring the momentary pleasure of disobedience, or than the presence of the Almighty God, you need to examine your faith. If you can live your life to a place where you don't care that the fact that you made this choice then means you're no longer able to experience God in all of His fullness, then you need to look within yourself at your faith. Because guys, there is nothing better than being in the presence of God. Could you imagine? God walks up to them in the garden... And says, Adam, Eve, I'm here to spend time with you. And they say, nah, I'd rather this apple. That's what we do with our sin, guys. And if you can continue in your sin, if you can continue in ignoring God, if you can continue in playing church, if you can continue in not following after Him with all that he, you have, then you're exchanging the glory of God's presence for the momentary pleasure. And this is what it says. 
The one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So how do we know? Number one, we know because we love to follow him. We love to follow him. Like I love to follow my daddy, we love to follow him. God's laws were always there to point us to him. That's your next verse or your next phrase. They were there to point us to him, that we would be able to spend time with him, that we would be able to enjoy him. Romans chapter 13, verse 3. Paul says this. Rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good, and you will have praise from the same. God says, that didn't give you the rules to keep you from the fun. I gave you the rules so you could be in the fun. So that you could have the enjoyment of life. So that you could have the fulfillment of what you were really created for. I put these things in place so that you would know. And so if you can live your life and you're not bothered by that, you don't have a desire to follow him, you don't find joy in following after and keeping his commandments, then there's a problem in your life. There's a problem spiritually in your life. Keeping God's commandments allows us to enjoy his presence. We should have learned that from Adam and Eve. Had they just listened, how much difference would that have made? God wasn't telling them what they couldn't have. He was telling them what they could have. You have all of the glory of this garden that I've planted. You've got all of the trees of this garden that I've planted. You've got all of the fruit of this garden that I've planted. You have me unless you choose that one thing, you can have me. That one thing was their own way, was their own desire, was their own thoughts, was their own feelings, was their own wishes, what they thought they deserved. And guys, if you think you deserve something more than you desire God, danger. Danger. Nothing. In fact, the commandments that God was giving them John later said, these, are, these aren't even new things. This is, this is the old thing. This is the thing that's been the thing from the beginning of things. In fact, if you remember back, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says there's a very important thing, and here's, here's what it says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, you will follow God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I love my daddy. The reason why I follow my daddy is because I loved my daddy. And I wanted his approval. I wanted his presence. I wanted the joy of knowing that my relationship with my daddy was where it needed to be. And if we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, our desire will be to follow God. We won't be worried about all the things that we can't do. We'll be thinking about all the things we get to do. Listen to what the Scripture says. Look at Psalm 37, beginning in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, if what you want more than anything is Him, He will give Himself to you. If that's what gives you joy, if 
honoring God gives you joy, if loving the Lord gives you joy, then He will be there in your presence, not because you've earned it, but because that's who you are now. But if not, you can say what you want to say, but John says you're a liar. And the truth isn't in you. This is nothing new. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. He says, if you really are my son, if you really are the one who who claims to love me and claims to want to follow me, if that is true of you, then do what I'm asking of you, because in that you will find what you're looking for. What are you waiting on? It's like going to Popeye's to get the chicken sandwich. You know, the chicken sandwich that they don't have, but they pretended to have. It's like going there to get the chicken sandwich and saying, nah, I'll just take a biscuit. You're missing out on the whole purpose for why you're there. The whole purpose for why we're here, guys, is to honor God and to love God and to worship God because in doing so, we find a fulfillment that we can never find in anything else. And believe me, I can show you person after person after person and put them on this stage who can tell you of all the things that they've tried to find something that would bring them peace, that would bring joy, that would bring that added length of days to their life. And none of them will ever say that they could find anything could compare to what God has done. It can't compare. Guys, I chased after the dollar. I did everything I could do to make money. I sold everything from caskets to crickets. I did whatever it took to try and make myself happy. But you know what I found out? There is joy found in no one and nothing except Jesus. It is only in the Lord and only in the Lord. This is not something new. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do you want to have straight, you want a straight path? You want it to go in the direction that you're supposed to be going? Trust in the Lord. Not in yourself. Listen to me. Stephen, listen to me. Don't trust yourself. If you haven't learned anything yet, don't trust yourself. Because you will fail you. You will. It may not happen every single time, but it will happen. Michael, don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord. Corey, don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust your heart for sure. Because it's desperately wicked. Deceitful. Trust in the Lord. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. How do you know? You know because your first instinct is not, what do I want, but what would He want? Because you're following the one that you love. Love the Lord your God. This isn't anything new, guys. That's what John's telling him. Guys, I'm not trying to teach you something you didn't know. This has been the story from the very beginning. Psalm 122.1. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Some of us wake up on Sunday mornings and think, oh, i got to go to church today. We ought to wake up on Sunday morning thinking, wow, I get to go to church today. Man, I get to rejoice with my brothers and sisters in Christ today. I get to see Brother Willie today. 
It was so awesome, man. I go in my Sunday school class. If you're not in a Sunday school class, shame on you because you're missing out. I go in my Sunday school class this morning. I walk in there. I got all my friends in there. Everybody's in there. They're all having a conversation. I'm sitting there. I'm not even paying any attention. Next thing I know, I hear in the background, they're talking about LSU football. And I'm thinking, man, I've done made converts. Hallelujah. (laughs) Why does that matter to me? Because I know for some of them, the only reason they watched it is because they love me. And they wanted to have the ability to talk to me about it because they know it's important to me. That's what being part of a family is, guys. Why am I at Daybreak Baptist Church? It's not because of all the money. It's not because of the career advancement opportunities. The reason why I'm here is because I love you guys. You matter to me. And I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because in being with you, I find the strength that I need. And I need it. And I know that I can find it here. And because God told me to come and find it among you, I come and I find it among you. And I'm ready for whatever the week may bring, no matter what the committee meetings are. Do you understand? This isn't anything new. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God. Lean on Him. Follow Him. And in doing so, you find assurance and evidence. And if, as I've been talking about this, you've been sitting here thinking, yeah, that's right. That's how I feel. It is, does feel better when I follow a God. It, that's an assurance in your heart. If you're sitting there thinking, I wish the preacher would hurry up. Answer the question. Love the Lord your God. All followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we delight in living according to his principles. Man, it's great to be a child of God. If you don't believe that, you need to go to Israel with me. I'm serious. Because as you walk around places where people are so stuck in religion that they have to follow this code... And they have no joy and no peace. You realize how truly blessed you are. I don't get up in the morning thinking, what can I do to impress God? I get up in the morning blown away that God would choose to impress me. Psalm 119.1 How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. We're blessed. So John says, do you want to know? How are you following him? Are you walking like he walks? Are you living like he lived? Are you doing the things that he's doing? Secondly, how you want to know? Do you love people? Do you really love people? Miss Jerry, our love for people got tested on our flight home. If you haven't heard that story, you'll hear that story. Not right now. The whole flight home, Miss Jerry would lean over and say, it's not worth going to jail over. If you didn't hear me, it's not worth going to jail over. I was trying to love somebody. It was hard. It was really hard. 
Look at what it says in verse 9. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. If you can't love people, you're not his child. And I don't mean loving them for what you get out of it. I mean loving them in spite of who they are. I mean loving them because they are who they are. Every one of them created in the image of God. Every one of them someone that Jesus died for. And I am no more worthy of that love that he gave me than they are. And so I need to learn to love people like he loves people. If you don't love people, you need to look in your hearts. Now some of us, we just, you know, Jesus said love your enemies. The enemies aren't always that hard. Sometimes it's the idiots. You know exactly what I mean. But God wants us to love people. Intentionally to love them. To go out of our way to love them. Now this isn't anything new. Leviticus 19.18 You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Way back in the law, in the first five books, in the very beginning, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is nothing new, guys. It's been the expectation from the beginning that if you were in relationship with God, you would follow Him, and in following Him, you would love people. That there would be a genuine love in your heart for others. It was not a new commandment, but the emphasis on it was new to the people for sure. Because now you've gotten to a place where loving people has gotten very hard. And in the Jewish world, even the charity that was given out was more of a sense of obligation than as a love for the people. And so as they lived their lives and, and people were there and, and there's always someone to take advantage of them, there was always the risk. You know, as we walked through Israel, we walked down this one path that was right along the mountains. And on the side of the mountains, you could see the caves. And the caves were where the zealots would hide out. And you probably remember the Simon the Zealot. And, and the Maccabees would have hidden in there as well when they were fighting against Rome. This was the place where, as you walked down the road going from the Sea of Galilee towards Jerusalem, where you were in grave danger of your life because of these people that were hiding in these caves, and they would come down and, and they would fall upon the people, and they would steal from them, and they would kill them in some cases. This was the reality of the life of people in this time. And here, if this is actually in Ephesus, as we believe it is, then in Ephesus, the people there that had turned their backs on the temple worship and turned their backs on the cultic living and had turned their backs on living according to the ways of the world, they were now ostracized completely from all of society. And if they were Jewish, now were they not only ostracized from the secular world, but they were also ostracized from all the religious impact and help that they might have been. These people were alone. And he says, love people. If you don't have love for people, then you're in darkness. And we think it's hard for us. But John says if you don't love God as evidenced by obedience to His Word, and you don't love people, then you are not His child. If you don't like that, take it up with Him. But that's true, guys. And so do you want to know for sure? Do you want to know for real in your hearts 
Do you really want to be sure? Do you live a life that's following God? Are you loving people? It's not anything new. But then John said, but, but, yet, but then again, it is new. And, and here's what's new about it. You can't do this on your own. But God living in you can do it. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, he says in John 4, um, verse 10. But that he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. This is love, that God is doing it in us. Not that you did it, but that God's working in you. And because he paid the price, because he's been there to do what had to be done, because he was the one who gave himself for us, we can now live for him. And so as Jesus is working through his ministry, someone comes to him and says, in Matthew 22, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We just saw that. Revelation chapter 6. In other words, Jesus answered him by quoting the scripture. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered him by quoting the scripture. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. And so it is new. Because everything hinges on these two issues. What are you doing with God? And what are you doing in people's lives? This is not about earning your way into heaven. But this happens because you are on the way to heaven. What does that love look like? Philippians chapter 2 says this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. It's not what we get out of it. We don't love people because we get what we get out of it. Well, if I treat them right, if I do the right thing, then they'll buy my product from me. If I do the right thing, then, then maybe they'll treat me well. No. We love people regardless of what's going to happen, not because we what we get out of it. We don't even love them because of how it makes us feel. We love them because we truly believe the other per- person is more important than we are. Do not merely look out for your own interests. For the interests of others. Why? Because you regard one another as more important than yourself. See, the biblical love, the true love, wasn't just a love that was willing to share what they had. It was a love that was willing to say, whatever you need, I'm here. And that's the love that characterizes a body of Christ. That's the love that characterizes someone who is in relationship with Jesus Christ, who knows that though I may not have what I want, my God is enough for what I need. And if my God is enough for what I need, then whatever I have, I can freely give. Because I can trust Him. I know Him. And He loves me. And he did that to demonstrate it for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The whole purpose from the very beginning was so that we could know that we have relationship with him. So my question for you is this. Do you delight in following your father? Do you delight in loving those whom he's created? If those things are not true about you, if you can't honestly say, that is who I am, then this morning I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be who you've made me to be. I don't want to keep living a lie. I don't want to play a fantasy. I don't want to try and pretend so that other people think I'm okay. I want to know that I'm right with you. And more important than what anybody might think about me, more important than what anybody might say in this room, is that I want to know, I want to know that I'm your child. And if that's you, I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus Christ this morning. What better thing to do? What better time than right now to surrender your will to his will? And believers, find assurance in the midst of difficulties that when things are going not your way and when you are having a struggle and when you are fighting along the life's journey, remember, if your desire is to follow God, and he's put a, heart, a love in your heart for other people. That's an evidence that you're his child. And yeah, it may be hard, but you're not alone. And he's there. He's waiting for you. Would you just turn your hearts back to him? You know, we get so caught up in the things that we're facing, that we forget that we don't have to face them alone. Would you turn your heart back to Jesus today? Would you say to him, Lord... You're right. More important than whatever this is, is you. And I want to honor you. If that's your heart this morning, this altar's open. Someone will be here to pray with you if you'd like. Would you turn your hearts back to God? Don't leave from this place defeated. These things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life is what he says. You can know. You can know. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. And Lord, as we come to the conclusion of this service, I ask that you, even now, move in the hearts of your people to give them the faith to follow as you would call them to do. And Father, if there's one here this morning that does not know you, that does not have that confident assurance in their hearts, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself today. And maybe, Father, there are others here that know that that they're yours, but they haven't lived in that peace that comes with that assurance. Lord, I pray you give them that assurance this morning. Lord, would you work in the hearts of your people to show them the things that you would have them to do today, whether it's to rededicate their life to you, whether it's to surrender some area of their life, whether it's to follow you in baptism or, or even to become a member of this church. Lord, whatever it is that you're talking to their hearts about, would you give them the strength to follow you today? to lay aside any other concerns and to just step out in faith and do that what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name.